Hello, welcome back everyone. I'm Alex. I'm Ian. And you are listening to the Win Lose Watch List podcast, the show where we have curated a list of the top 250 movies, bottom 250 movies, and anything in between and choose a movie at random each episode leaving our insanities to fate. Ian. Yeah. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing pretty good. I'm I'm, I'm surviving. Been uh, watching stuff, watching... Uh, been thinking watch, about death a lot? Been thinking about death a lot. This movie <laughs> brought that upon me. Like, in the last movie. Yeah, in the last movie. In the movie before that, you know, The Iron Giant had some pretty heavy death themes. Pretty much every movie we yeah. watched. Loquisha. Not really an uplifting show we're uh, <laughs> promoting here, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I've been doing alright as well again. Like, we're still in the heat of the quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. I guess maybe not the heat, but still in quarantine. It's hot. I can it tell you that. It is hot. <laughs> it's getting hotter. <laughs> Uh, you been watching anything cool? What you been What you been getting into? What you been uh, just into? more death stuff? Been watching the the Midnight Gospel. What's that? Uh, all right, so it's uh, a, an animated show from uh, the creator of Adventure Time and Duncan Trussell. He's like he's a comed- stand up comedian. He's on like the Joe Rogan podcast. That's a, a lot. great name, by the way, Duncan, Duncan Trussell. He's dude. He's great. It's honestly, it, it's like adult. By the way, it's not like for kids and stuff. Uh, it's like really trippy animation and stuff. And what it is basically is, is there's like a narrative to the episode and there's like the main character and stuff. And the main character has a space podcast where he interviews people inside of a universe simulator that he has. Huh. He has a like a stolen universe simulator and he interviews different people in it. But it's actual audio from Duncan Trussell's real life podcast with oh, like really intelligent people. And he like mm-hmm. interviews them and has like really deep conversations with them. And so it's like an animated podcast in a way. Yeah. Yeah. It, you, you should absolutely watch it, please. Hmm. Like the last episode of it, it's eight episodes long and they're like 30 minutes. Uh, Those are the best, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. The last episode in it sort of is might be one of my f- one like to me personally maybe like objectively not but still objectively it's very good to me personally <laughs> it might be my favorite piece of art i've ever consumed <laughs> i feel like you have a new favorite piece of art listen i know i say that a lot <laughs> i know half of these movies that we've watched have been my new favorite yeah, you piece came of out art. of the seventh seal like this is my favorite piece dude of it's art. great <laughs> uh yeah i came out of the seventh seal like this is the best handling of like death i've seen nah midnight gospel <laughs> but genuinely it did really speak to me like i've it's the type of thing where i'm like got frustrated watching because i was like this is what i wanted to make <laughs> but yeah. someone like beat me to it those uh, are frustrating and they did it way better than i ever would have been able to because they had like uh, a budget pendleton word of adventure time and stuff and mm-hmm. like a bunch of crazy concepts and cool people and stuff uh nice. but yeah that, that it that's pretty amazing and then i'm just watching like I watched Middle Ditch and Schwartz, which is incredible. Yeah. I uh, so speaking of TV shows, I finally been catching up with uh, Twin Peaks. I watched the first seven episodes like around a year ago, and I like dropped off right at the finale. And I just said, you know what, I'm gonna pick it up again. And I picked it up and got a few episodes through. I'm like a third of the way through season two right now, and I'm just kind of binging. I'm on a David Lynch kick right now. Yeah. Uh, there's a when I was working today, I watched a. There's a David Lynch documentary I've watched before that's called like David Lynch, the art life. And it's just literally interviewing David Lynch and he's talking about his childhood until his first movie. He made a razor head. God, that man's just hilarious. <laughs> he, he's the, not even a couple trying clips to be funny. Shown me are pretty funny. <laughs> he just has a way of saying things. that just makes me laugh, but it's not a joke and he's not trying to get you to laugh, <laughs> but it's incredible. 
He's just very dry and like. Yeah, the the one clip that I've showed you that he's talking about is the, uh, him talking about people watching movies on their phone. <laughs> you watch a movie on your phone? Get real. Get real. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's sort of what I've been into. Uh, I've been on the Twin Peaks binge and it's it's been great. Yeah, it's a ride. I need to <clears throat> like I've just watched the first like I don't know half of the first season, but I definitely want to finish it. And... It's just so like the way that it uses that trope of the soap opera. Yeah. And sort of just lures you into it and like that's it's got that soap opera plus the David Lynch weird dream shit. Yeah, I love that on. you can tell that he like when he pitched it to the studio, he probably left out a bunch of the weird stuff <laughs> yeah. just to get it picked up. And then he was like, now I'm going to start like a couple, like seven episodes in, I'm going to start really getting weird with it. Yeah. And it's like, it, it totally works within it too. Like it doesn't just feel like weird for the sake of being weird. Like it uses every character. Yeah, no, it's a very unique way. aesthetic. It's, great. it's to the totally worth a watch. Yeah. So you want to hop into it? You want to go swimming in the fountain? We can go swimming in the fountain. Take our take our little clothes off, put our little swimsuits on, get to do a little swim in the old fountain. Make sure make sure there's no people nearby and that it's been thoroughly cleaned, or we might get <laughs> corona. So last episode, Ian and I had rolled tech. Well, I guess rolled uh, the fountain is the movie that we would watch for this episode, and which was a watch a list. That was watch list. That was on my yeah. watch list. Uh, the 2006 Darren Aronofsky flick that was a critical failure. Technically, and, and, and a commercial, a commercial failure. failure. <laughs> but it's since then gained a sort of cult following yeah. for being sort of the weird abstract kind of pick that it is. And we're here to talk about it. So yeah. what were your initial thoughts about The Fountain, Ian? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty conflicted on it. I think the things I like about it are things that... If I'm being objective, I wouldn't really talk about because it's more like what I'm projecting onto the film and my subjective experience. Now I, I can see that. I, I was, I honestly sometimes I watch things. I'm like, boy, I think Ian's gonna dig this, and I was like, yeah, Ian's probably gonna dig this, but I can see him having problems I, with it as well. Yeah, like I, I did, but like it was also maybe because it paled in comparison to like. The min- I had just watched another thing that handled death better. <laughs> yeah, so like uh, it was also fresh off of coming off the Seven Seal and the like, Seven Seal. Yeah, about. and like yeah, with the Seven Seal, you have this movie about trying to escape death, right? And yeah. you can't like death is inevitable. Whereas this movie, it feels more of the opposite of that, where it's like death is this thing that needs to be beat, and the goal of the movie is to overcome death, no matter the time, the place, where you're at. You know? Yeah. But but I still think ultimately they ended up in the same place as to where, which is like, you can't. Yeah. Like, I mean, I feel like overall the message of the movie was to accept death. I can uh, see that. For him to kind of come to terms, like because she had so she had accepted death. Yeah. And then it it was like about his journey of uh, also trying to come to that same conclusion. I think this movie did a lot dumber. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think it's a very visual spectacle. Yeah, but and I guess we haven't necessarily like talked about what even the fountain is. We just said that it's yeah. loosely about death. It it's this movie and it's it's starring Hugh Jackman and uh, Rachel Wise, I think is how you pronounce her name. Yeah, uh, I think so. That it's this tale that takes place over three thousand years, potentially. Sort of, we'll get into that later. Uh, about this man trying to overcome death, 
Yeah, it's like three separate. It uses three a lot separate of, quote unquote storylines. Yeah, like time periods, and it uses this sort of non-linear storytelling to get this idea across, and yeah. it uses a lot of religious imagery from Mayan religions and different conquistadors seeking for the tree of life and also Christian symbolism through it as well. And really, I think a lot of my problems with the movie stem from it's nonlinear storytelling. Yeah. It doesn't pull it off. Like some movies do. It does not do it well. And I, so one thing I didn't even realize until I was looking up stuff after the movie, I did not realize that when Hugh Jackman is in that tree orb. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So there's, I did not realize yeah. that was a spaceship. Oh, really? Yeah. No, that like that it's it's a Hugh Jackman is in this giant a literal tree orb and like what, here's here's what made me not realize this, right? When you're when you first see it, the movie starts off in like these like Mayan ancient sort of times and you have a uh, rugged Hugh Jackman trying to find the tree of life, right? Yeah. And he gets slain down getting told death is the road to all right yeah and he gets fucking or he gets slashed with a fire sword and then hard cut to bald looking Hugh Jackman in space and it's like oh he died and this is like the movie's representation of like some sort some form of purgatory or something you know yeah just because of the way that it was cut and that was sort of like that's how I saw it yeah, I feel like I kind of got it. And then towards the end, I started realizing, I was like, okay, this yeah. is more of like him in the future hurling towards this planet. But in the moment, I was like, what, like, is he dead? And then now he's talking to past. And then it's like, oh, well, he's talking to quote unquote present day Hugh Jackman. It's like, oh, he's recollecting over his regrets throughout his life. Yeah, that's the thing is like this. This movie it leaves a lot up to interpretation, mm-hmm. uh, but not in a way that's like it. It just feels in a messy way rather than an intentional and like like all of the meaning that people can draw from it. There's not that much actually there, mm-hmm. and I feel like a lot of a lot of what you can take from it personally is just what you're gonna take from it personally. Right. And it doesn't necessarily mean there's actual qualitative depth to the movie right yeah and i i I think a lot of that stems from and i feel like we end up talking a lot about this on the show is um the death of the author and it kind of stems from darren aronofsky creating this movie and he talks about like how he created this rubik's cube kind of movie and how there's multiple ways to solve it but there's only one real way to solve it and if you go into movies creating them to be like puzzles you're never going to make a masterpiece. <laughs> like movies are not yeah. puzzles, you know, they're experiences. It's also interesting and, and, noting. and to talk about like how we were talking about David Lynch at the beginning, right? He's yeah. somebody that creates these like really abstract things and he obviously has a meaning for himself, but he doesn't create his movies to be like, Oh, people need to solve my puzzle. It's yeah. not, it's, he makes them as his own experience and that you can have your own experience from it. And when you go at, exactly. set forth creating a movie, that's like a puzzle to be solved people are going to hate it because they're not meant to be solved. They're meant to be these emotional sort of experiences. Yeah. And you can't have an emotional yeah. experience putting a jigsaw puzzle together. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing is like it, it hit on like, I feel like it could have been really well. It just didn't actually draw up at very much like 
emotion for me. I don't know. It, it's really it's harder at times to know if like you didn't like a movie because you just went into it with like like a bad blood pressure or something <laughs> like just something else about the day, but you were just yeah. not in the right mindset going into it. Like I can really love a bad movie if I'm in the right mindset going into mm-hmm. it. So like on paper, I don't know. like just looking at the description on paper, I would love everything about this movie. Right? Yeah, me too. And me too. one movie that I was actually sort of reminded of uh, was Mr. Nobody while watching this. Yeah. I see it's, that. Yeah. It's one of those, cause like, I found myself thinking, I was like, oh, if I was a lot younger and wasn't as versed in cinema, I'd probably really love this movie. Like The Fountain, that is. And I loved Mr. Nobody when I was younger and more, a little bit more formative. And I can kind of see past a lot of the tricks in The Fountain, like where it's like, I I feel like it it uses this nonlinear storytelling to confuse rather than to enforce. Yeah. What do you think about like, so the original budget for this movie was like 70 something million mm-hmm. and it ended up being 30 something million. And it was originally supposed to have Brad Pitt and I forget who else. Not sure. I, uh, I did see, I know I saw Brad Pitt. They're like different leads and, a, and like double the budget. What, like, do you think that would have benefited? Honestly, I read or? that it was a smaller budget and I think it's better for it. Actually. I, I imagine we'd probably end yeah, up with too. an even dumber movie with a bigger budget. <laughs> Yeah, me too. It's gonna be. It would be even more of just well, like the and, and something, visual spectacular. Yeah, and spectacle. And something else I was reading was like part of the budget cuts. Like the main part that saw the budget cuts was the CGI, and a lot of what we saw with Space Hugh Jackman was supposed to be CGI when that was actually like a quote unquote practical effect where it was enlarged microscope photos of like some algae or something or bacteria, yeah. and like I thought that I thought like the visual aspects of it, like that aspect of it. That was incredible. Actually, yeah, I mean, I liked the movie. I thought, I thought it looked good, except I don't actually, I didn't really like the, uh, it's probably just a personal preference, but like the gold aesthetic, like how much mm-hmm. like white and gold. It got a little used. much. And it, it got like, <laughs> when they used white because they wanted it to be like heavenly white, it was super overblown and it yeah. just, I didn't, didn't like the look of it. It was like, it was ugly to me. It became a little much. And I, I, I don't want to like, I feel like I'm being way too down on this movie currently. Yeah. Because I'm, I also really liked it. I, I think I was also yeah, thinking I in my head, it. <laughs> within at least the canon of this show, I was thinking of Take Shelter because I kind of feel the yeah. same way about this movie that I did Take Shelter, but in a much more extreme way. Like I, I liked this a lot more than I liked Take Shelter and I hated this a lot more than I hated Take Shelter. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I mean, I like Take Shelter. Yeah, like, you, you were much yeah. more higher not to rehash But I get it. Again. Yeah, like, I still get, yeah, the, but this movie, like, there, yeah, there's a lot I liked, like, I mean, I like, I like Hugh Jackman, I like, I like the plot, uh, in, like, in general, it just feels like the execution of this movie yeah. is wrong, and, and like, everything else was pretty, like, like, had promise, mm-hmm. but, what, one thing, it's like, just wasn't executed right. The thing I was really recollecting on was that there's no real anchor of the movie, like, you have these three storylines, right, and you have this yeah. past Hugh Jackman character, and then you learn later in the movie that, well, it's actually kind of a story that his wife's telling, but it might not be because in the, the cinematic language of it all, like we're shown that first. So we're meant to believe that that's real. Like we have no reason to believe that that's fake. Yeah. What, what's your theory for like the timeline of this? Like, God, I hate theorizing. What the yeah. three, um, okay, okay, we don't have to theorize. No, that's, no we, can, we can theorize because I, I think this movie lends itself to be theorized because. I know we kind of uh, have to. Darren Aronofsky's a freaking idiot. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now we're just trashing. I, I'm I'm so ready to trash him. I, I'm gonna go on a quick aside about Aronofsky. I the, he made the movie Mother, right? Yeah. Have you ever seen Mother? Do you hate Mother? No. So when I watched Mother in theaters, I loved it. I thought it was incredible. I thought this was a movie. I was like, this is great. It's using like it's sort of critiquing the Bible by setting it across this like Mother Earth, uh, sort of home bad at home life relationship right i was like oh that's so interesting and then i started reading a lot of stuff from darren aronofsky afterwards he was like yeah i wrote the script in like seven days and i think yeah. this thing's genius i'm like gosh now i just want to hate it like, yeah i know I, f- I feel like it's just like his movies just aren't as smart as he thinks they are he's art house Zack snyder which i don't want to like uh, i couldn't make anything better <laughs> yeah um, but uh like like he he's he's good he 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 makes he can frame a beautiful shot he he's a he's a good director i just think like he would just be better yeah, off to a, shut up about his movies. Like if he didn't yeah. talk about them because people start coming after them. He's like, well, no, 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 no. You actually, you're seeing it the wrong way. It's actually this. And it's my Rubik's cube of many puzzles to be solved. And just like back off for a second and like people will grow on it. You know? Yeah. And like, again, like he, he's art house Zack Snyder to me. Like I think Zack Snyder can be pretty good. Like for blockbusters. I really love 300. Like Dude, that, that's actually so crazy that you say that. Cause I thought of Zack Snyder when I was watching it. <laughs> Cause it's the whole like, just like, look at this moment in this movie, yeah. like the spectacle. And there's a sick guitar this, riff going on in the background. The music <laughs> is like building, and it's like this isn't as powerful as you think it is. Yeah, and I, uh, I sort of lost, I sort of buried the lead. But what I was getting back to is that the movie's a bit anchorless. I was yeah. thinking, and because you have, like I said, you have that past, and you're not really led to believe whether it's true or not. And then the present feels like it's the present throughout the movie, right? Like that's like the quote unquote main timeline. But there's no reason to believe that, and you just don't have something to grab onto to really emotionally latch onto. And I don't think the future was real either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think that my all right. So like, I, okay, I yeah, don't want to like theorize, but I do like the best interpretation of the movie for me is like I kind of saw like by the end I saw like the future timeline as more of less literal. It's not like not necessarily about that it's literally happening. It's about the transformation of like his like acceptance of death and I feel like it's more that's that's like in his mind. Yeah. what the character's going through. Like it's a, it's a mythological like subtext to the rest of them to the present day. So really I only saw like one the present day was the only real quote unquote timeline mm-hmm. of it in like from my view. I, I mean, I guess it, it could have been in the future. There was a lot of things that pointed it to a future. But I think I, I kind of like when a movie or when art, like, I feel like the, sometimes, a lot of the time, if you're, the way you're supposed to ingest art is not by, like, some art you're just supposed to turn off your mind and your analytical, comparative, like, thinking mind. And it's not about what's literally happening. Mm-hmm. It's about the... It's uh, about the emotional con- experience with it that you have. Yeah, and like the mythological like uh, archetypes that you like mm-hmm. are just repetitive. Like it's like this movie basically is like Joseph Campbell's hero's journey as well, mm-hmm. like, like most movies. But uh, <laughs> so I, I guess like, to to build off of that, why I really don't like theorizing uh, is because of that. When you start theorizing, it's like, well, what really happened? What was what was real and what was fake? It's like 
all of it was fake. All I, I like yeah. I watched yeah. it on my TV in my living room in my underwear. It was fake. Like yeah, none of that happened. So if you do start like as soon as you start talking about the theorization, it's not about. I mean, obviously, our opinions on this movie aren't going to be ob- completely objective anyway. Right. That's not what an opinion is. <laughs> uh, but like. It, it becomes way more about like less about what the actual thing piece of art did and more about like what you projected onto it. Yeah. So I guess how I felt initially, cause really my strongest positive feeling towards the movie was like during the final sequence slash the end. And I think I would have enjoyed the movie a lot better if I was in a movie theater. I do think the sound design was really good in it. Despite. Yeah. I kind of, the, the sound, the score kind of got on my nerves a little bit, but I think the sound design was really good, but I, I just had this really overwhelming feeling of just grandeur at the end because it, it feels like the story that sort of like love just transcends this entire time plane, right? The love yeah. to want to bring someone back, but then eventually become at peace with yourself. And that's how I like thought it. But then my literal interpretation of it, right? Was yeah. the dumbest thing possible is that all of them are happening in real, like all, of, all three timelines actually happened and Hugh Jackman's living three whole lives and is flying Jackman, through space. Not the character. Yeah. Hugh Jackman. <laughs> the one giant Ackman is uh... the only note. I, the only note I have on my phone for this is, uh, when I saw Donovan for the first time, I lost it. <laughs> if you don't remember, Donovan is the monkey that he's performing surgery. So this entire, like when they oh, introduced yeah. a present day character, when they introduced a present day character, he's like, uh, he's, his like wife walks out of the room and then the guy comes up to him and he's like, Donovan's on the table. He's, his knees weak. Arms are heavy. Mom's spaghetti. It's ready. And then, uh, <laughs> he starts rhyming. It's weird. Uh, and he was like, Donovan's on the table and he's already, oh, we got him opened up and prepped for surgery or whatever. And he, he goes in there and I'm like, I'm like, who are we about to watch? And and then it like, it, the, the reveal is like under the table. Yeah. It happens like at the of, end of the of, scene. Of the face. And it's a monkey. And he's got like the, he's got like the like mouth guards in, and like it's just the funny. I, I died. I laughed. It's I definitely like, played yeah. for laughs. It's like it's supposed to be this big reveal that they're not working on a human and they're working on a monkey. <laughs> I, I I I yelped. I was like, oh, oh monkey. <laughs> that was my favorite part of the entire movie. <laughs> Can, and again, that sort of speaks to the dumb stuff that Dan Aronofsky does with this movie that I dislike. Like that was pretty dumb. Like. It, how, why is it a reveal that it has to be that they're working on a monkey and not a human, right? I mean, I guess any shot's going to be a reveal. I, I guess, but that, but the way that I, they, as I pictured it, okay. But any shot's a reveal. But the way that they held it out in that scene where they're go, uh, prolonging a period of time talking about this yeah. patient, and then it insert shots to them like three minutes later of the monkey. That's a reveal, you know, where yeah. it's like played as a reveal, and the other like the other things like there's a shot of. I think Hugh Jackman's driving to the city in present day and the camera does like a 180 on itself to like make the city flip upside down. And then they did the same thing in the past timeline. It's like, okay, you did, you you did the repetition shot, but what was it for? Like, what's the reasoning for that? Like, is, is, are you telling me that this is a fake world, even though you've made me believe that it's real throughout the entire time. And then you have other stuff like the dumb, like her telling, the, the the Rachel Weiss character telling the story about the first man from Mayan lore who becomes big star galaxy and becomes a tree. And then Hugh Jackman literally does that 
at the end of the movie. Yeah. And I don't like, like that he did that. But I, I thought I it was cool. Like, I thought like watching it literally unfold. Oh, when he, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he, <laughs> well, like, okay, hold on. Messes up. I guess that's spoilers. I don't know what we're talking about. We've, we've, I've already given spoilers yeah. like right at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, we're, we're like the flowers are exploding from Hugh Jackman's character after he drinks tree milk. Yeah, that yeah. was intense. Milk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, that that, that was kind of cool. I I I like like the uh, overall like themes and the like some of like the mythical like story. Like I like the. I like the, I think the wife character is my favorite character. Yeah, she's great. Uh, Rachel Weiss's character. Like I liked her. I like I liked just because she had actually come to terms with and had a good philosophy on death. Yeah. And then the rest of the movie is just you watching this guy not get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like your wife got your wife was fine with it. Move on. Uh, no, I'm gonna take a thousand years to get her back from this tree. Yeah, yeah but I, I also saw a theory somewhere that like the tree he was using to fly through space with was the tree that he had buried her in at the end because she wanted to be buried and become a tree. So in yeah. Hugh Jackman's magical tree orb, like that's supposed to be her tree. That was her. Yeah, that's what I got. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that, I mean. Well, and then there's the other theory that the tree that he's using, that little the tree on top of her grave, it grows. Then it, because she talks about how that one guy died and like grew into the tree. And then when the bird like bit a fruit off the tree, he the, the guy flew with the birds yeah. as a dead guy and stuff. It was a resistor. Yeah. Well, and then there's another theory that the tree that helped save the monkey because they performed surgery on a monkey with a experimental tree and it like yeah. had reversing effects. There's a, a theory that that tree is also the one powering the spaceship. But unless oh, you, so now it's like time jumping. Yeah. Like, that work? <laughs> Like where 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 did the scientists get the piece of the tree that saved the monkey? And it was from like Africa. I, did, I mean, I'm just saying they, they said, didn't show it. Yeah, they didn't show it, but yeah, Hugh Jackman was talking about it. So there's like, I I think the leading theory that I was reading about this movie is like that everything in the past is fake because that's part of her yeah, that's story. That's the the book. That's yeah. her story. And then the I think the biggest headcanon for a lot of people is that the tree that helped save the monkey is what Hugh Jackman starts taking to keep himself alive for a thousand years to help cure his wife's death. Yeah. Because another the thing that was just immensely stupid about this, the creation of this movie, <laughs> is that Darren Aronofsky said he wanted to make this movie to create the next 2001. Did he really say he that? He really said that. Why would you say that? And it's like... It, <laughs> If, no matter what it, your movie turns out to be, even if it's great, it's not going to be 2001. Right. If you say, I want to create the next 2001, like the thing to say, this is like the next human achievement movie, right? Like, don't say you're going to make the next 2001 because you're immediately going to be looked at as stupid for it. Yeah. Yeah, you can have your dreams and ambitions and keep them private. <laughs> so Because then you, it's win-win. Yeah. And I, I think what frustrates me the most about this Darren Aronofsky character is that at the core I really like his movies. Yeah, that's the most frustrating part. Like, <laughs> they're good. Like I really do like the fountain. Something there. It's like yeah, I I like the fountain too. I think there were a lot of really cool like visual shots. I, we're we're like dogging on the movie, but it's just like I, it's weird because I just don't entirely know how to vocalize what what I didn't like about the movie. Yeah, it's because like it was just. Kind of just underwhelming and like, 
didn't leave a huge impact on me. I don't remember very many of the scenes. Like, and I watched it yesterday. Yeah. Or, yeah, I think so. It's like uh, it's like going to watch your family member play a rec league basketball game and they sit on the bench the entire time. You know, like you, you just yeah. want to watch them play and do good, but like you're just frustrated watching. You're like, God, I want this to go up, but I'm just mad about everything. Like, just be a little bit better, <laughs> and I can watch you. Like, that's how I feel about Darren Aronofsky. Like, just be quiet there's, about your movies and just tone it down a little bit. I, I really like some of the shots in like space. Uh, I like I like in when uh, movies when there's like a shot in space when whatever the other object is besides this blank space and the stars in the background mm-hmm. is also like really black. So you it's almost just like it's a silhouette against blackness and stars basically. Yeah. And like his orb does that at one point and uh, and uh, there's like a part where he's like practicing like. Thai food. I don't know. I don't know what. Uh, what <laughs> thai food. No, it's Thai food. You're right. It's Thai food. Uh, At Ian on Twitter, if you're mad about he's that practicing statement. some martial arts, and he's just a black silhouette against the stars and blackness in the background. Mm-hmm. I like. I don't know. For some reason, I really no. Like that's that. great. It's like what? Yeah. It's like I really like. It's, it's the same as like Dar- that iconic shot of Darth Vader's helmet where it's black against space and stuff. The, and the iconic shot where he's staring up in the sky and going. No. <laughs> <laughs> or like the, the uh oh man i lost my train the of actual thought. explosion of the star at the end was pretty cool yeah like that's when he goes into the star that's that looks good I, I bet especially i bet if that if that part had a bigger budget i bet it would look really cool. yeah like again i i really like it but it's just so easy to dog on it because then you have for every incredible shot like that you have with like this great shot of space or him doing typhoon um you have an equally stupid shot of like just these awkward close-ups that only leads yeah. to these awkward performances and that almost feel overacted even though they're two very competent actors and i think yeah you just have this goofy stuff going on like that it's like just let's just take it back a second like you're you're reaching into the too stylized area where you're just doing style for the sake of style and not yeah. for an actual reason yeah that's why I didn't like all like the gold and white stuff. I was yeah. like, "All right, stop it! I don't. My eyes don't like this." And also, like, uh, I think, I think at the core, the problem with the movie for me is like, it's just uh, structurally messy. I don't know. Yeah. Like, it could have. It's just executed wrong. Like, because I do like I like the plot overall, like front to back, and I like like the actors and the visual effects. It's just like. It's just put together and executed like it's kind of messy. Yeah, there's a lot to like about this movie. There's so much to dislike. Like I went to like I typically rate and like or dislike like like or not choose not to like something on Letterboxd after I watch something. And I'm typically pretty able to land on like okay, this is like a three and a half star and I like it or this is four stars. It's good, but I don't really like it. And for this movie, I couldn't give it a star rating, and I couldn't yeah, give it a. Like. I don't know what I would give it. And I couldn't give it a like or a dislike. I couldn't choose to like it or not. So I just like, I'm you know, like I didn't know what to say. And there's o- there's only one other other movie that I've ever felt like that for, and it's um, Michael Haneke's Funny Games, where I felt a very similar way towards that afterwards. Um, I don't know. I can't think of another movie I've been this conflicted on. <laughs> yeah, I, I've only felt like this watching Funny Games before, and it, like I I feel tricked and duped, <laughs> but I also feel like I could watch it again in maybe a better sound um, area. Yeah. And maybe yeah. enjoy it a little bit more. Um, I think the only real way that I could recommend this movie after I've dogged on it so much 
um, is if you are below the age of 15 and have a really good sound setup. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'd recommend it, but it, like I, I don't see. Here's the thing: I don't know who everyone. I could recommend Some it to. Some people hate it, yeah, without giving them it. a better movie to watch. Yeah, you know? that's true. Go watch the last episode of the Minute of the Midnight Gospel. Yeah. <laughs> Just watch the Seven Seal again. Don't even watch this episode. <laughs> Seven Seal, yeah. Like, it, like a, three like and a half stars. Three and a half stars is what I always land on. I, I, honestly, this is probably like two and a half and a like, if I'm being honest. I know. I don't know. It's but I didn't. It's weird. Afterwards, I didn't dislike it. I just yeah. kind of nothinged it. I nothing this movie. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it was an emotional nothing. You know, like yeah, it was a, like I was entertained. That's and I guess that at the end of the day, that's what matters. Yeah. Is it though? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Not for this podcast. Honestly, maybe it's worth watching. Well, th- for this podcast, yes, because the bar is either like entertained is really good when the when it could be two hundred and fifty of the worst movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm entertained, I'm happy with this. Like, show. well, we've got like fifty like terrible movies on there. This is like at least the like 150th best uh spot we could have rolled yeah <laughs> this is 51 this is the worst of the not 250 no but it's good i'm like again yeah. i'm dogging on it too much because it's easier to, i know like, it's too. more entertaining to dog on it than it is to say like i loved it because i don't know why and that's probably like some psychological thing where it's like easier to talk negative about something than it is to talk positive about something yeah but I, I, and it's weird it's weird also being blurry with it because like I, when you're discussing, when you're like critiquing a podcast, I wish I had a more definitive opinion on it. Cause it's boring to be, it's boring to be like, like be hot or cold. But if you're lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth <laughs> and we're being lukewarm about this. Yeah. Um, again, I, I think I stand on the stance that if you're under the age of 15 and you have a good sound set up, there's mo- boy, do I have the movie for you. <laughs> it's it's the fountain and you're gonna have a great cinematic journey afterwards and this will like kick off your start into like really artistically inclined cinema but if you're above that age and you've watched better movies you could probably pass this one yeah that's true that's where i stand if you stand separately that's fine too no i agree i think i, I mean i pretty much agree uh, you don't have to be 15 watch it if you, <laughs> you want to be entertained but <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah i mean it's 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 good there's really good stuff out there but it's good i guess watch it just for that flower exploding scene alone i thought that was pretty intense yeah that and was pretty cool the fact Rachel that it was only pg-13 and not r-rated for that i thought that was like warranting yeah. an r-rating but i guess it wasn't <laughs> yeah i guess i didn't think about the rating of it ah <sighs> you want to head in to find out what we're gonna watch next week oh god be done Our talking about swimming this fountain yeah, yeah no, we're we're it. on borrowed time. Imagine right. weeks from now, after we've rolled fifty or not fifty, but five bottom two fifties in a row, right, or five loses in a row, and we're yeah. like, man, remember the fountain? Remember how yeah. great that oh, movie was? The fountain was so good. Remember how great that movie was? I'm calling it now. <laughs> I do have some items that I want to address with you oh, before yeah. we go into rolling. We have two empty okay. spots on our list right now. We have a empty watch list spot and an empty win spot. And last time we deliberated, and I'm not really giving you much of a choice this time. Don't give me a choice. Um, I don't need I'm it. not letting you decide. 
So I'm terrified of choice. In, unless you unless you have an immediate like I'm against this, what's going on? So okay. for the win spot that will take that from the top two fifty would be Paul Thomas Anderson's Boogie Nights. Okay. Have you have you ever heard of that seen, or seen it? I know but I have heard of it. You've heard of it. It's, John Travolta, right? Nope. Uh nope. Burt Reynolds and Mark Wahlberg. And it is the only movie I like with Mark Wahlberg in it. What's the John Travolta one with the eyes? That's Pulp Fiction. Yeah, it is. <laughs> What's the John Travolta thing with the other thing? I think you're thinking of Sunday Night, Saturday Night Fever? Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, I can see how you can mix that up with Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights is very different. It's, uh, well, if it ever gets ruled, we'll, uh, we'll talk about it. Okay. okay. But it's Paul Thomas That's Anderson's fine. first flick that he had made. I, I, I didn't know that was his first one, but yeah. I know Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. And it's the only movie I like with Mark Wahlberg in it. <laughs> He's like probably my least favorite actor. And I, I struggle saying that on air because I know he like beats the living hell out of people that talk negative about him. Does he really? <laughs> I think I've seen that places. Um, and the other one, the one that Mark will take Mark. the watch list spot. And I don't know how this will sit with you, but I've just really wanted to see it. The Super Mario Brothers movie from the 1980s. Oh my god. <laughs> That's taking over a watch list spot? Yeah. So we still got 250 other garbage movies? Or 50, 50. other garbage movies? And, okay. And the Super Mario Brothers movie. Okay. Have you never been intrigued to at least check it out? I've been intrigued to watch it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> That'd be fun. At the very least, it makes for a fun show. Yeah. Rather than something like we're lukewarm on. Can we can we review that when we if we ever get that and have an episode on it? Can we wear costumes? Yeah. Even though they can't see it and talk in what Mar- and Mario and Luigi. Well, I guess a quick aside. Uh, my girlfriend and I for one Halloween dressed up as Toad and Toadette, so I do have a Toad costume somewhere that oh, I can yeah. wear. <laughs> Is Toad in that movie? I <laughs> hope by not. Danny DeVito. <laughs> He's played by a literal frog. <laughs> All right, well, do you want to hop into it? Let's do it. So, Ian, as I'm pulling this up, I'm going to do some quick shilling, if that's all right. Um, If you're listening to this podcast in your ear holes right now, go on whatever platform you are on and rate us five stars. Give us a review. And if you drop, like, your letterbox name or your IMDb username in there and you have a review for a movie that we're coming up on, we will read your review on air and put it out there because I think it's fun to have different opinions about movies. Would have been fun to have someone uh, to be able to talk about they have this a different movie, opinion yeah. about the fountain. Yeah. Another thing, we have a Twitter at Win Lose Watch. Uh, go follow us. We'll, we tweet fun things. That's where gifts. you can see this list as well. It's the pin tweet. The pin tweet is the list, and you can see everything else. We got some fun things on there. Things that you don't necessarily hear when we talk about it on air. Ian, what's the worst you're hoping for? What's the worst I'm hoping for? Uh, smiley. <laughs> that, looks, that one looks pretty. I bad. think that movie has Tobuscus in it. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, if you didn't know, used to be a huge Tobuscus fan back in his golden years of the age 13. Yeah. <laughs> and now. <laughs> All right. Ian, give me a quick drum roll. And our number is, you're going to like this, number five. Ian, number five. what is number five? Number five is... The the two thousand and XX movie Ian's choice. It is Ian's choice, which we have yet to land on. So, like we said, go oh, check yeah. out our our uh, Twitter and find the list, and you can see what happens for Ian's choice. And I'm going to quickly explain it to you, Ian. Since you rolled on this wonderful number, I have a die in my hand, a six sided die. 
He does. It's called I can see it. Ian's Confirmation. And it's to make you think that you actually have a say in this matter of getting to choose a movie, but you don't. I will roll oh, this cool. die, and there's six choices that can come up, and you can there you can see them on the list if you want. Uh, for what happens if I roll a one, two, three, four, five, or six? Uh, some of them are good, some of them are bad. Some of them just let you choose whatever you want to. <sighs> so, our fate lies in this die now, and I'm gonna roll it. <laughs> our fate, fate decided on fate <laughs> to decide. I've rolled a four. Number four, flip a coin. Heads is <laughs> heads is chosen top fifty, top two fifty. Tails is chosen bottom two fifty. So now uh, I have a coin in my hand. You couldn't even let me choose which one, which nope. head or tail is which thing. So I get no choice. If it's heads, I, I get to choose. Ian gets to choose a movie that's a. Yeah, if it's heads, Ian gets to choose a movie that's a win, and if it's tails, Ian gets to choose a movie that's a lose. Ian, how you feeling? I'm feeling okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I get to choose. I'm gonna flip the coin into my hand and then flip it onto my other hand, just so you're aware of what's gonna happen. Okay. You have to show me. Show me. I'll I'll tell to the audience. It's a tail. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tail. It's a tail. It's a lose. Oh, but at least. You're in power here. You get the choose. Right. You get the option. Well, hold on. As, and I'm going to help you go through the list here. You can filter by loses and find the things that you want to watch. I realize that they're really just I'm a lot of I'm doing it on names. my phone and it's hard to navigate. <laughs> <laughs> I realize that there's a lot of different options there and, and a lot of them are just names. Um, yeah. So really just any name that sort of doesn't look the worst to you <laughs> list or if you just really want to make me feel terrible for putting this option even on there i forgot it's on there's anti-250 okay now let me let me get a look at some of these names <laughs> which names are popping out to you all right uh <laughs> dragon ball evolution <laughs> oh no uh there's s darko s darko donnie darko is uh Actually, one of Ian and mine's favorite movies that we sort of bonded over when we first became friends. Speaking of those formative teenage year movies. Okay. Um, Is that Starker really on the Anti-250? I thought it was on watch list. It's hilarious. No, it's Anti-250. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got that Shaggy Dog, Birdemic, <laughs> uh, The Last Airbender, Co-Co-Co-Co-Co-Co. Oh... And I do think it's also worth noting, I haven't announced this, but for our next episode, we will have our friend Riley on here, who you can also listen oh to God, him that's a good on point. the Drive-By Dog shows. Very excited for that show. He will not be happy to listen to this. <laughs> or hear if this. He, if he decides not to do it, I'll cut this out. <laughs> uh, where can we watch Norma the North? <laughs> where can we watch Norma the North? Norma the North it is. You heard it here first. Ian chose. <laughs> Ian has yeah. spoken. 2016 film by Trevor Wall. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can call it a film or that it's by someone. Uh, <laughs> this movie just popped into trailer. existence. Yeah. Aren't there like 40 Norm of the Norths now? Like it came out in 2016. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> I can actually tell you a funny story. I, saw, I used to work at a movie theater alongside Ian and we used to get free movie posters. And when Norm of the North came out, 
I got a bunch of free Norm of the North posters. <laughs> and I pranked my one roommate by just hiding them all over his room where he couldn't see them. <laughs> and we just put as many, like it was like behind the door that was always open, gotcha. like in the closet behind the clothes. So like when we finally moved out, he just saw like these two giant Norm of the North posters. <laughs> those are probably uh, worth something now. You should no, get those back. They're not. No. <laughs> they're probably no. worth less. <laughs> I, I actually hear that the price of crude oil is worth more than Norm of the North posters. Norm of the North. Why did I pick that? Uh, all right. Well, tune in next episode to hear us maniacally talk about Norm of the North. Thanks, Ian. Blockbuster. A blockbuster. Have a great morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are. See you soon. Au revoir. <laughs>